Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. And today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about inverse ETFs. We're going to talk about this dead cap bounce that we are seeing underway in the stock market over the past three weeks. We're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail. Today's email comes from a guy that we're going to call Skeeter. Now, why do I call this guy Skeeter? Well, for one, I don't want to divulge his identity because he may not want his identity divulged. And I like to give people Florida red nicknames being that I am born and raised in Florida. So I'm like kind of like the typical Florida man without the criminal record of doing something crazy and stupid. Skeeter writes, Good morning. Thank you for your content and daily help. I'm learning a lot from you as I have been swing trading since December. Love the podcast, the YouTube videos, and the Patreon content. I was hoping you could spend some time on ETFs and inverse ETFs specifically. I know that they move off of the bullish ETFs, but can the inverse ETFs move off of the buying and selling in the inverse ETF itself? And does technical analysis work on these or does it only work with long ETFs? Currently very confused by this bear market rally among all the not so good news that is currently out there. The rate hikes, the bad earnings, the GDP, inflation, good old crazy Nancy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing seems to shake the bulls right now. But I know if I go bullish, the rug will get pulled out from underneath me immediately. Sincerely, Skeeter. Now, good email, good questions there, and we'll get into that in just a second. But first, what am I drinking? Well, one listener asked me to check out Basil Hayden because I hadn't done a review on it. And it's been years since I've had Basil Hayden. But Basil Hayden is Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, artfully aged, it says. But it's only 40% alcohol, 80 proofs. It's a lightweight. Now, there's a lot of different variations of the Basil Hayden. This particular one is just basically their standard issue. So, bottle is really cool. It's got one of these little copper belts that are going around it or something with the BH initial on it. Pretty cool. Color on it looks really awesome. To the nose, though, I mean, I pick up some, like, leather boots or something. I don't know. Without the stinky foot funk, that doesn't show up in it. But it does smell like a leather boot for some reason. I do pick up a little bit on the pepper side, too, the black pepper. And the label even says you'll smell some black pepper. I can smell a little bit of it, but it's quite faint. To the tongue, or to the taste, I probably didn't do myself any favors. I ate some beef jerky and pistachios beforehand, but it actually comes across pretty spicy. Now, when I drink a little bit of water just to cleanse the palate a little bit, you don't taste anything. So it's really weird. The spicy only exists if you have some spiciness on your palate from spicy beef jerky or spicy salt and pepper flavored pistachios like what I had. 
But then when I cleanse the palate, I mean, this thing is almost negligible to water. I would say this is like the Shirley Temple of bourbons. I mean, that's what it kind of comes across with. Yes, I know it's got 40% alcohol in it. You can't taste it. It doesn't have any kick to it. It doesn't give you any kind of heat. It doesn't give you any like lingering feelings. It just goes out with a whimper. I'm really disappointed. I mean, this is one of your most popular bourbons out there, and it's really not that good. Now, who would it be good for? I would say for the bourbon lightweights that just don't want something really hot and spicy. I have a few of those friends. They'll love this stuff. And I got a few friends that do drink it religiously, and I don't think that it's necessarily a bad bourbon for everybody. I don't think it's necessarily a good bourbon for me. I'm going to give this a 5-0. Can't go higher or lower. I don't think it deserves to be in the fours. When I did my initial first sip impression on it, I thought, okay, this is like a 4-5. But I'll bump it up to 5-0 for this podcast here. So Basil Hayden, 5.0 is what I'm giving it. Now, back to the email. This guy, for those who have been bearish on the market, this guy represents what a lot of people are going through right now, including myself. I'm a bit frustrated from this market. And it's not that it catches me by surprise. I expect there to be bear markets that take you far beyond what you ever imagined. I just expect there to be moments throughout the course of a trading year that's going to be frustrating. Times where it just doesn't feel like you can get any traction on the market. This is one of those times. I definitely feel that way. I've been stopped out a few more times than I would prefer to be stopped out over the past month. But the good thing is, is that I've never really increased my exposure beyond 10% long in my portfolio. So while I get stopped out, that's not a big deal because I'm keeping my risk tight. Like for instance, today, I think I took a 1.9% loss in my QID trade. Not a big deal. Now, had I held it all the way until the end of the day, I would have been like 5% down on the trade. That's the kind of difference that we're working with. And that's where stop losses really prevent you from taking on unnecessary losses. But he's asking me some questions like, can the ETF rally, for instance, if you have a huge surge of buying power on an ETF, like an, let's say an ultra ETF 3X of the S&P 500, can it go rally like because there's just tons of volume? Can it rally 5X? And even though it says it's only supposed to rally 3X to what the S&P 500 is doing, let's say that, for instance, you buy UPRO, that's the 3X return of the S&P 500. So if the S&P 500 is up 1%, UPRO would be up 3%. But could the volume be so intense that UPRO could be up 5%? No, I mean, I've never seen it happen before. I don't know how it would. Based off of my understanding, I'm not necessarily a mathematician or somebody who knows the really fine details of these instruments, but I have never seen in my trading career these things become dislocated from the underlying ETF that they're trading to. So I would definitely never trade one based off the expectation that that's supposed to happen. I've never seen it before. Now, remember, until last year, I never even knew that a futures could go negative. I mean, until March of 2020, I didn't even know that a barrel of oil could go negative. In fact, I was tempted to buy it when it went negative and take delivery on them and just figure out where the heck I was going to take delivery at. I didn't know at the time, but I couldn't figure out quick enough what that means when you're buying something that has a negative price value to it. And so I just decided, you know, this is outside of my wheelhouse. I'm not going to do it. In hindsight, that turned out to be a costly mistake. But nonetheless, don't expect the ETFs to go, you know, way beyond. You could say the same thing, you know, about it going way beyond what it's pegged to, like UPRO being pegged to the SPY. You could also say, well, then on light volume, could it not keep up with SPY? And I, no, no, that's not going to happen. These are designed and they're managed to reflect what the S&P 500 is doing. So if it's a three to one inverse, it's going to give you a three to one return. 
it's a two to one inverse, it's going to give you a two to one return. But remember, each night these ETFs reset themselves. So they're not meant to be held long term. You don't want to hold these things for like 10, 20 years because they reset every day and they deteriorate over time. Just look at a chart of QID or SQQQ and how many reverse splits that they've had to do and where it was trading like five years ago versus where it's trading at today. And does technical analysis work on these things or does it only work on the long ETFs? So I don't do technical analysis all that much on the inverse ETF. Sometimes I'll do it from a trade standpoint if I'm trying to highlight exactly what I'm trying to show and it's in a short enough time frame to where it doesn't diverge much from the underlying ETF that it's showing, but because it resets every day, because the price action resets in order to give you that two to one or that three to one return that you're going after, over time, the charts are not going to look the same as they do on the underlying asset that they trade off of. So when I do my analysis on the queues and I'm saying, okay, there's a key support level on the queues about 4% below current price. I don't expect this to be a long-term trade, obviously, just like I said, you don't trade these things long-term. So I'm going to take the stop loss that I would normally use on QQQ. And if I'm buying, let's say QLD, which is the two to one bullish ETF of the Qs, then I'm going to put my stop loss 8% below that. So I base my technical analysis off of the underlying asset. Same thing with like the SPXU, I'm going to be using SPY on that. Or if it's UPRO, I'm going to be still using SPY. If it's TNA or TZA, or TWM or RWM, I'm going to base my analysis, my entries, my stop losses based off of the IWM chart. And so some people are surprised to hear that. I don't think it helps you to do technical analysis on the inverse ETFs. It's far better to do it on the ETFs themselves because that's what they're reflecting is SPY and IWM and the Qs. And since I got your ear, make sure to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You are supporting the podcast when you subscribe. You get all my stock market research each and every day. And one of the new features that I do is I do videos now. So you're getting a whole lot more information thrown your way and in a much more easily digestible format. So check that out. You're going to get my watch list. You're going to get the list of trade setups that I'm following each day, as well as analysis on the markets and your big tech stocks individually. So Skeeter wraps up the whole thing about how frustrated he is with how much bad news is out there. And I feel for it, man, because uh, there's a lot of news things that I have seen of late. For instance, just the CPI report last month, we got another one coming up, came in at 9.1. We've really done nothing but rally since then. Since the FOMC statement, they hiked rates three quarters of a percent, 75 basis points. What did it do? It still rallied. In fact, it's done nothing but rally since the FOMC. Microsoft and Google had bad earnings. And they're doing incredibly well since then. You're seeing stocks that constantly are getting gobbled up. I think some of it goes back to the COVID mindset that people had from March 2020 that the market hit these ridiculous lows because everything was shutting down. And so they said, oh, now is the time to buy. I'm going to buy. And I think you got a lot of retail people rushing in. I think the banks know this. I think the banks want retail to rush in because they're the future bag holders. The market's collecting souls here. And they want buyers to jump in because then they're going to be the ones that panic sell and help the banks reap massive profits to the short side. Banks don't care about you. They don't care about your portfolio. They see it as a tool to further their profits. So I think there's a lot of retail people being sucked in here, but it's not the same market condition that we saw back in March of 2020, where they did an emergency rate cut. And I find it kind of funny that they actually will do 
a rate cut intermeeting wise, but they won't do it when inflation's running out of control. They'll still wait every six weeks and they'll be super tepid about raising the rates. But back in March of 2020, they stepped in, they started going ape on the mortgage-backed securities and all these other assets to adding to their balance sheet. Like I said, they cut the rates in an emergency meeting, and that was when the market ultimately turned around. It turned around on a dime and never looked back. Are we doing that right now? No. And you hear that old expression, don't fight the Fed, don't fight the Fed. That's what the bulls were all saying when the market was going up. Now they're actually saying, fight the Fed, fight the Fed. They don't believe Jerome Powell will continue to raise rates. They think he's going to pivot. In fact, they're pretty much saying that he's pivoting. But when you really look at what members of the Fed are saying throughout the day, and even today, what you're seeing Jerome Powell say, there's no intentions of pivoting at this point. They think there's rate cuts coming next year. For whatever reason, I can't even fathom why they would think that there would be a rate cut. I surely am not expecting a rate cut unless inflation goes back down to 2% or whatever. But here's the other crazy thing. I think they should be aiming for deflation because by the time they get this thing figured out, we may have seen a 20% price increase in inflation. And that's just the way they measure it. For everyday Americans, it's probably more like 30 or 40%. And so that's a huge increase in the cost of the living We'll be far better off if we can get a period of deflation just to be able to tame the prices and bring things back in alignment with wages and what people are able to afford. But again, you get it back down to 2% after we've had two years of 8 or 9% inflation. Guys, you're just talking about 2% on top of all the inflation still that we've already had. I mean, your prices are still going up at that point. Yes, they're going up by a far smaller amount, but people are still going to be hurting at that time. So right now, the market's in this phase where it doesn't care. It doesn't care what the news is. I honestly think that right now we're in this mode, and it can change on a dime, obviously. But up until today, we've been in this mode to where if we found out that a meteorite was heading towards Earth and it was going to wipe out humanity, we'd probably buy. We'd probably be talking about how that is a very bullish development for the market. And that's just how absurd the market can get. And people want to say, well, the market price is this in and the market price is that in. I'm not so sure about that. And how do you know that the market's priced something in? Do we really know that? Do we know, oh, we're pricing in the Fed pivoting? No, I think the market's just being irrational. And that's very common for the market to do in the hopes that the market's going to pivot. But what the market is ultimately trying to do is suck in that one last bear into selling, covering, and going long. And it's going to do that until it's inflicted max pain at this point. So for me, staying on the sidelines or just trading very small has been a very, very strategic move on my part to minimize the risk in the market for myself. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure whatever platform you're listening to, whether it's Amazon or Apple or Spotify, make sure to leave me a five-star review. I do appreciate those. Keep sending me your questions at ryan at shareplanner.com. I do read them and I try to get every one of them on the air. We don't always have to agree on everything and I don't claim to be an expert on all things related to the market. What I have to share is my opinions, my experience, my knowledge, and I hope that it can help you guys in the process. Make sure to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com if you want to get my research. Thank you guys, and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. That's www.shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. 
And follow me on Share Planner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. 